Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord, this morning. We thank you for your presence in our midst today. We thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercies. We thank you for your exceeding great and precious promises that by these you have made us partakers of your divine nature according to the word, escaping the corruption, the decay that is in the world through lust. We bless you today. We bless you for your spirit that lives within us, daily guiding us and leading us into all truth. Thank you for the companionship you offer to us, blessed Holy Spirit. Thank you for the unction, the anointing which we have received from you, dear Lord, that abides and resides within us for all of these wonderful blessings that you bestow upon us from day to day. We express our gratitude and our thanks to you. And for the simple things in life, the things that we so often take for granted. Thank you for food and raiment and shelter and a roof over our heads. Thank you for our daily bread, dear Lord. Thank you for our friends and our relatives and our families, our children, our grandchildren. We bless them today in the name of the Lord. We thank you for this fellowship, this spiritual family, those that are here, those that are abroad. We lift them up in praise and thanksgiving to you this morning, my Heavenly Father. We have so much to thank you for. And indeed, you are worthy of all of our praise and adoration this morning. Thank you. Good morning, church. I want you to record every word I say today, please, including my testimony, Siobhan. Good morning. In this cold, cold morning, I must commend you for getting out of bed this morning. In this cold weather and coming together to worship the Lord. I'm not going to say coming to the house of the Lord because this is not the house of the Lord. You are the house of the Lord. And coming to worship together as a spiritual family. Truly, you deserve to be commended. Amen? Amen. Because I see that you, by being here on this cold morning when you could have been lying in bed or doing something else, you chose to be here. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, let me share my testimony first of all. And then, by the will of God, I will continue the study that we began last Sunday. Those of you that were here, you heard me teach on the value of spiritual meditation. I did say there is a part two, if Pastor Michael will release me and give me the pulpit, and graciously he has done so. Thank you, Michael. Difficult not to when you say it from the pulpit. <laughs> Next time I won't say it from the pulpit. 
I had a dream the other night, and my daughter Helen approached me, and she asked me, Helen, uh, Dad, how do you feel? Referring to my eye. I said, Helen, don't ask me how I feel in a tone of authoritative voice. Ask me what I believe. Don't ask me what I feel and how I feel. Ask me what I believe. And then in my dream, I started preaching, and I let it rip. Scripture after Scripture, Scripture after Scripture, I was pointing my finger, and I was preaching to a great crowd of people. And I took, and I took it as a message from God that, you know, the Word of God says, we do not walk by sight or feelings, but we walk by faith. Amen? Amen? And therefore today, I want to declare and testify before Almighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ and His holy angels, before the devil himself and all of his cohorts, that by the stripes of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I was healed over 2,000 years ago. The Word of God declares in Matthew 18 that Jesus himself carried our sicknesses, bore our sicknesses, and carried our diseases. And 1 Peter 2.24 says, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, so that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. And if we were, then I was. And if I was, then I am. And I'm not moved by what I see in the mirror and by what I feel, but I'm only moved by what I believe. Amen? I believe the Word of God. Second Peter chapter 4, verse 13 says, And as it is written, Having the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore... We speak. I also believe, and therefore I speak. Amen? We need to speak what we believe, not what we feel, not what we see. For the Word of God says, For our light affliction is but for a moment, and is working for us a far great and exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while... We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Temporary means subject to change. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence or the title deed of things not seen. Amen? Amen? So please don't ask me again how I feel. If you want to ask me something, ask me what I believe. And I'll tell you what I believe. I believe the almighty word of God. And I want the devil to hear me. And all of his cohorts. 
that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. For three months almost, I had no symptom, nothing. God touched me and healed me and restored me for almost three months, no medication, nothing. And then a few days ago, the father of lies tried to sneak that symptom back in my eye. And I'm not accepting it, neither am I receiving it. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, let's get to the lesson. The value of spiritual meditation, and today is part two, and I want you to go to our foundational scriptures. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Let's read them again together. Matthew. Joshua 1, 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Thank you, Lord. But you shall meditate in a day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does... Whatever he does shall do what? Prosper. Prosper. Hallelujah. Let me give you, I'm going to recap just a couple of things that I mentioned last Sunday. The definition of the word meditate is to reflect deeply on a subject. And the synonyms of meditate is to chew over, to contemplate, to excogitate, to mull over, to ponder, to reflect, to ruminate, to speculate, and to think. The word excogitate means to study intently and carefully in order to grasp or comprehend fully. And the definition of the word ruminate means to chew again over and over to obsessively revisit the same thought or theme over and over again. Amen? So that's what we're teaching. And the purpose of my teaching this morning is to emphasize the importance and the value of meditating in the Word continuously. I want you to grasp, to have a revelation of the value that you receive, the importance in our Christian walk of meditating constantly in the Word of God. That's why I'm teaching on this subject. Amen? Amen. Jesus said in Mark 4, 24, in the Amplified, listen to what he said, the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you, and more besides will be given to you who hear. In other words, what that tells me 
the words of the Lord, the more thought, the more study I give to the truth I hear or to the truth I read, the more revelation knowledge I will receive from those words. Amen? 10% study and meditation, 10% revelation. 90% study and meditation, 90% of virtue and knowledge will come back to me. So that tells me what we receive from the Word of God is determined by us, not by the Lord. You come to church, you hear the Word, you read the Word daily in your house. What you receive from that word you read, you hear, does not depend on God. It depends on you. Are you listening to me? How receptive your heart is. How meek and humble, how teachable you are. James says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. How should we receive the word? With meekness. Meekness is humility. Meekness is being teachable, humble, receptive, willing to hear, to receive. Amen? It's the opposite of prideful attitude. I know it all. So there is a condition, James 1.21. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save or heal or restore your soul, your mind, your will, your attitude. And last Sunday, I did mention to you that meditating in the word of God facilitates communication between our spirit and our mind facilitates communication between our spirit and our mind, and the two come together by allowing the Word of God to form the basis of our communication in the Lord. Amen? And this is the process by which our spirit with the help of the Holy Spirit who resides within our spirit, educates our mind in spiritual things. From here to there, not from here to there. It is from here to there because your spirit, your born-again spirit is far more knowledgeable, far more intelligent than your mind is. And revelation will flood your spiritual understanding, your mind, when you meditate on the basis of the Word of God. Praise God for the practice, for the principle of meditation. I also mentioned to you that meditation involves asking the right questions. This is how we learn, by asking questions. The disciples constantly, if you read the Gospels, they constantly approached the Lord and asked Him questions. Why could we not cast out this demon? Lord, please teach us to pray. Lord, increase our faith. Constantly, over and over again, as they followed Him, as they watched Him, they asked questions. And Jesus sat with them, the Bible says, privately, explaining everything to them. 
Hello? Jesus is with us today in the person of the Holy Spirit. Christ in me, Paul says, the hope of glory. He's not up there. That's why the Bible says the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. It doesn't say who will ascend and bring him down, who will descend and bring him up. The Lord is near us. He lives within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Ask him questions as you study, as you meditate the word. And finally today, I want to elaborate on the principle of imagination. Meditation involves imagination. What is imagination? Here it is. The word imagine means to form a mental image of something not actually present to the senses. I'm going to say that again because it's very important. What is imagination? Imagination is forming a mental image of something not actually present to the physical senses. And let me say this, our imagination is a gift from God. It was perverted in the fall through the disobedience of Adam. That's why Genesis chapter 6 says, and every thought and every imagination in the minds and in the hearts of men was evil. That was after the fall. It was perverted by the enemy. Amen? But imagination is a gift from God, and I'll explain why He's given us the ability and the power to imagine. I'll explain it. So, the Bible speaks of righteous and godly imaginations. So let's not confuse the two, please. Amen? The one is from the fallen nature of man, and the other is from the new man who is recreated in the image of Christ. Are you still with me? So, when I meditate on a passage of Scripture, I imagine myself in the midst of the words I read. I ponder. I think about. I put myself in that situation. And I think deeply. And I ask the Holy Spirit questions. That's how I meditate. And I'm going to give you demonstrations. So, hear me. Why did God give us the ability to imagine? Imagination has the ability to transport us into places and into situations in which our physical senses have never been to, nor are they capable of being there. That's what imagination does. It transports you into places that your physical senses have never been to. So when I meditate in the Word, the Spirit begins to paint pictures or images of what I read and what I think as I meditate the Spirit of God like a, like a, a master um, 
what do you call the person who paints? Like a master artist begins to paint images in my spirit. And let me explain. For example, if I say to you the word dog, what do you see? Do you see D-O-G? Huh? No. What do you see? Probably your dog. If I say, if I say, (laughs) big, black, ugly, angry dog, do you see words or do you see pictures? Case in point. You, You imagine. And that's what the Word of God does. The more words I use to describe the dog, the bigger, the clearer, the more precise the picture becomes in your mind. You don't think words. You think pictures, images. Amen? And this is what God's Word does. It paints images of pictures on the inside of us and enables us to see things the way God sees them. What a gift from God, folks. With my imagination, I can travel the world over. I can put myself in places the Word of God allows me to. We cannot imagine outside of the Word of God. It's very important. Amen? Okay. It paints images, pictures on the inside of us and enables us to see things the way God sees us. Let me say this. God gave us imaginative capabilities in order to transport us out of our limitations of the flesh into beings that are creative, that are original, that are artistic, that are pioneers and visionaries. That's why God gave you the imagination and most of you don't use it. That's why God gave us that capability to take us out of the limitations of our flesh into beings who are pioneering, into beings who are visionaries, into beings who are are artistic, original, and creative. You are a creative human being because your father is creative. So when I picked up, listen, When I picked up from the Spirit of God, as I read the Word of God years ago, that I was called to preach the gospel. I was in business. I was not always a preacher. My imagination went to work. I read it. I saw myself in the the Word. And I started to imagine by the help of the Holy Spirit. I imagined myself going into places into cities, into countries that I have never been to physically. And I saw myself preaching to a crowd of people. 
first to the Greeks and then to non-Greeks. And you know what? (laughs) Sure enough, the day came when I did go. But I saw it. I imagined it first before I went there in the flesh. The reason why most of us are not going anywhere is because we have no vision. Hello? You don't imagine yourself ever getting out of where you are. And it's time you start dreaming again. Amen? Dream the dreams of God and see yourself the way God sees you. I saw myself when the time came and I read in the Scriptures and I picked it up by the help of the Holy Spirit as I prayed, as I fasted, as I meditated in the Word, I saw myself going, leaving the business world, leaving the country of Zimbabwe and headed down south with my family. And I saw that, I imagined that, three years before it took place. What do you see? when you read and study the Word of God. What do you imagine as you read the Scriptures that says you have been accepted in the Beloved and you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus? What do you see? What do you imagine when you read Galatians 3.13 that says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through faith and receive what the Spirit promised. What do you see? Do you see yourself blessed? Do you see yourself prosperous? Do you imagine yourself healed and restored? Or do you see yourself sick and weary and tired and worrisome and poor? What do you imagine? My God, my God, how I thankful. How I thank him for his word. It gives us vision. It gives us life. My son, attend to my words. What does that mean? Put my words first place. Attend to them. Meditate on them. Don't let them depart out of your mouth. Incline your ears, not to what the world says, not to what the doctor says. Though I thank God for doctors, but they do not have all the knowledge. Know what the politician promises. Incline your ears to my sayings. What is God saying in regards to your situation? Let my words not depart from your eyes. See vision. Spiritual sight is far more important than the physical sight. Let Keep them in the midst of your heart. My words, for they are life to those that find them and health to all of the flesh. The word is full of life. It's full of the spirit. The words that I speak to you, Jesus said, they are spirit and they are life. 
It's your spiritual nourishment. It nourishes your faith. It restores your soul. It renews your mind. It brings order and normality to your emotions. When you attend to it the way God described you attend to it. Not just hearing a sermon once a week. That's not going to help you. Not reading a couple of verses once or twice a week. That's not going to help you. You've got to be devoted to the Word of God, folks. And all my life I preached this out of this pulpit. Devoted to the Word. Love the Word of God. It's your life. Develop a hunger and a thirst. If you haven't got, go to God with fasting and prayer and cry out to Him so that He may have mercy on you. I saw myself leaving Zimbabwe long before we did leave, headed south. This is the power of imagination taking us out of our natural limitations into all kinds of possibilities. So let the Word of God take you to places. By the Word of the Lord, you have never been before. Places you have never been before in the Spirit. Revelations you have never received before in the Spirit and make you the person God intended for you to be. Second Corinthians 4.18 While we do not look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. How do you look at things which are not seen? How? With your imagination. Mm -hmm. How do you look at things that are not seen? with your imagination. The Word of God gives us the basis and the foundation of sound, biblical, and righteous imagination. So when the Word of God speaks to me and says, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus, I imagine myself, I see myself, healed and restored from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what I see. For we do not walk by sight, we walk by faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So many of us say we believe. We believe, but we don't really believe. Faith inspires action. You act on what you say you believe, if you really believe it. Amen. When God's Word says, I am redeemed of the Lord because of Christ's finished work on the cross, I imagine and see myself redeemed and blessed. And the book of Psalms says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so. I am the redeemed of the Lord whether you look like it or not, whether you feel like it or not, 
I am the forgiven. I am the healed. I am the one who has been given favor in the name of the Lord Jesus because Jesus himself died on the cross of Calvary. Amen. And not only he took my sins, he took my sicknesses, he took every curse, he took the fear and everything that goes with the curse of the law upon himself so that I can have his peace and his health and his strength and his vision. I don't ask to be blessed because I know I'm already blessed. And imagination has the power to transport you into another world, the world of spiritual realities. The world of spiritual realities where there is no impossibility in that realm. All things are possible, Jesus said to him who believes. Are you a believer? And you should say, all things are possible to me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Amen. Praise God. This is the walk of faith, folks, where all things are possible to them that believe. Now, I'm going to finish today. Let's look at again, visit once again the healing of the paralytic. And let's read it quickly together, okay? Thank you. I see some of you brought notes today and pens. Wonderful. You're listening. Okay. Here it is. Luke five seventeen. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. This, this verse, these words, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them is not recorded in the book of Mark when he relates this healing and is not recorded in the gospel according to St. Matthew. Only in the Gospel of St. Luke. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring him in and lay him before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and led him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them. He took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. As I mentioned, Luke refers 
to the power of the Lord being present to heal them. Who is them that is referring to? Who is them? You see, now as I read this portion and I meditate on, I'm right there in the midst of all those people that have come, in the midst of the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. The Bible says that they came out of Jerusalem, Judea, and uh, what's the other place name? Three major cities. They came out of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. They came, and that's why they couldn't find any room. The guys who carried the paralyzed men couldn't find any entrance, not through the door, not through the windows. That's why they went up on the roof. But I stopped and meditated there and asked the question, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Who is them? All of them, including the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Yet not one of them got healed except the paralyzed men. And I'm sure if anyone got healed, Luke would have mentioned another healing that took place. But you know what? As I meditated, as I thought about it, as I asked the question, the Spirit said to me, Son, they didn't come to receive anything from the Lord that day. They came to catch Him. Words that He spoke or things that He did so that they can accuse Him. So they could find something to justify their prejudice, their anger, their rejection. They, didn't, they were not there to receive anything from the Lord. And they couldn't have received. Why? Because the hearts were filled with prejudice and hatred. And I realized something. I'm not talking about you now. Their hearts were hardened and prejudiced. And even though the power of the Lord was present to heal them, they were not able to receive it. And I understood as to why so many believers come to church week after week, Sunday after Sunday, and they leave empty. No change. As though the Word of God has no power to change the way they think, the way they live, the way they behave. Empty. And I understood they come without preparing their hearts. The soil upon which the seed of the Word of God fell upon. They come with unforgiveness. They come with prejudice. They come with offense. Somebody said something or did something to them, either the pastor or the congregation, and they pick an offense. And you know what offense will do? Will tint your perception. You will hear one thing and you will understand another thing. You become a victim. Are you listening to me? And they will never receive anything. There's nothing wrong with the word, folks. Now, there's plenty wrong with the preacher. <laughs> because we're not perfect. We're going to say some things. We're going to do some things that will tempt you to fall into the trap of offense. 
But there's nothing wrong with the Word. The Word always works. Amen. If God can use a donkey and prevent the foolish prophet Balaam from being slain, God can use a human vessel with all the imperfections and the shortcomings. That is why it is so important that when you come and approach the Word of God, remember what the Lord said to Moses, take your shoes off. The place on which you stand is holy ground. And wherever the Word is preached, wherever the Word of the Lord is proclaimed, is holy ground. And if you've come with offense, with unforgiveness, with prejudice in your heart, you're going to leave empty. Don't blame the pastor. Don't blame the Word. Blame yourself. Go before God. Examine your heart. Say, Lord, I don't want to live this way. I don't want to maintain this hardened heart. I don't want to keep this offense within me that is causing me, that is causing me not to receive from what you desire to bless me and to give me. Deliver me, Lord. Pray like David prayed. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And when we pray this way with fervency and with a desire to be cleansed and to be delivered from every offense, from every prejudice, from everything that obstructs the Word of God, we will come and we will receive and we will be healed and we will be blessed and we will be empowered and we will go out and touch the very lives of those that we come in contact with. This is not about you and me, folks. It's about the people we meet daily. Amen. You see, the very offense taints the perception, blocks the reception, and no matter what is said or done, they will not receive any benefit from the word they hear until they're ready to deal with their hearts. You see, when I meditate on this portion of Scripture, I'm giving you... A demonstrate. I picture myself in the middle of that story. And I look around and I see, I imagine. I see the crowds listening. Hello? I try to pick up the atmosphere of that place that Jesus is preaching. I sense the power of the Lord in the atmosphere to heal, to restore. But I also sense another atmosphere. It's the atmosphere of prejudice and hatred that flows from the Pharisees and the doctors of the law. I hear the whispers of accusation. Who can forgive sins? Who does this man think he is? I see the shock on people's faces when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. Take up your bed and walk. And I watch the man who has been paralyzed, who knows for how many years, jumping up and amazingly praising God and thanking God. And the people, they, 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 
they fear, they wonder in amazement. We have seen great things today. Who is this man who forgives sins? And Jesus, perceiving the thoughts of the Pharisees, says, which is easier to say, your sins be forgiven you, or rise, take up your bed and walk? Then I ask the question, Lord, what do you mean, which is easier to say? I don't understand it. Why didn't you say, take up your bed and walk? Why did you say your sins are forgiven you? Then I realized something. The same power and authority that forgives our sins is the same power and authority that heals our bodies. There is no difference. But why is it that we are more readily to believe in the forgiveness of our sins rather than believe in the power of healing that comes through the Word? Then I also realize something. Because the forgiveness of sins has been preached over and over and over and over and over again, and so little preaching has been done on the healing of the body. And yet the Lord and His Word puts those two in the same sentence. That's why He said, which is easier to say? It's the same power that forgives your sins, that heals your body. Bless the Lord, O my soul, Psalm 103, and all that is within me, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals, how many? All your diseases. In the same sentence, the Lord who forgives is the Lord who heals. And when we start believing it, we're going to see more healings and more miracles than we've ever seen. Amen? This, this whole scene in my mind, as I'm there, as I picture myself discerning, picking up the atmosphere, hearing the words of Jesus, hearing the whispers of the Pharisees, becomes a classroom of learning and educating myself in the things of God. And I love it. Because that way you see things no teacher and no preacher can teach you, but only the Holy Spirit. I meditate on the words of the Scripture that says, and when Jesus saw their faith, saw their faith, that means faith is visible and faith is tangible. What did he see? Remember the woman with the issue of blood? Both the Lord Jesus and the woman, the Lord felt, felt that power and virtue went out of him. And the woman felt in her body that she was healed of the issue of blood that she suffered for 12 long years. That means faith is tangible. The power of God is tangible and it is visible. What did Jesus see? He saw their actions. He saw their determination. That they were not willing to give up on their friend. 
until they brought him right into the presence of the Lord Jesus. They tried through the door. They tried through the windows. They climbed up the roof. They broke the tiles. Jesus saw something. Remember Michael said not so long ago, he says, love is what? What did you say? Looks like like something. Faith also looks like something. It has action. It has works. And James says, faith without corresponding action is dead. Is dead. That's what he says. You can read it. James chapter 2, verse 18 through to 20. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. You can't. You can't. And I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, a foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Another translation says, faith without corresponding action is dead. I like that. Our actions must correspond with what we say we believe. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And here is a good place to examine ourselves and what we believe. Do we really believe what we say we believe? Huh? Do you believe it? The Word of God says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure you give, it is the same measure that will be returned. Do we believe that? Hmm? Where's the action? <laughs> Hello? Do you believe that you healed? Yeah. Why you keep saying and talking about your sickness all the time? Get up and walk. Get up and do something you haven't done before. My wife said to me, the Lord spoke to me last week through the mouth of my wife. You know, she hardly gives me encouragement, any encouragement. But she corrects me very often. I thank God for that. The Lord encourages me. And we're driving in the car. (laughs) And me trying to fish an encouragement from her. I said, sweetheart, how was my preaching today? Oh, she said, that was good. Then she turns around while she's driving and says, I want you to put your pride in your pocket about your eyes. Doesn't matter what you look like. What did you say, love? That's what you said. This morning in prayer, the Lord reminded me of those words. That's why you see me. I don't wear sunglasses today preaching. (coughs) Listen to your wives, husbands. Amen? Where was I? Huh? Praise God. Talking about so readily to believe many believers, many Christians on the forgiveness of the sins and so slow to believe that the Lord heals all of our diseases. And of course, one of the main reasons is not enough is being taught and preached on the subject. Another reason is because of the erroneous teachings that they have received. For example, 
Well, God heals sometimes, sometimes he doesn't. If it's the will of God, that's one of the... Another, another foolish teaching is that, well, God gives us sickness and disease, or he allows us, he allows sickness and disease to teach us something and to make us more humble. If God gives it to us, where would he get it from? There's no sickness and disease in heaven. Amen? That's another ridiculous teaching. Another one, this is a popular one. Well, the Lord never healed Paul of the thorn in the flesh. He had some sickness in his eyes and he never got healed. He prayed to the Lord three times and God didn't heal him. That's a misinterpretation of the whole scripture. Paul himself said that thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan sent to torture him wherever he went. And he explains what that was persecutions, afflictions, stoning, necessities, and all of those things, infirmities, but never to do with his physical condition. That's why. So we have to unlearn before we learn. Amen? Amen. We receive so much truth, folks. And then again, you go through the Gospels, you find me one place, just one place, where Jesus turned anybody away that sought healing. The Bible says he healed them all again and again and again. When the leper approached him and he doubted his will, not his power, he said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. What did Jesus say? Immediately he didn't have to stop and pray and ask God. He said, I will be healed. Well, if he said to him, I will, he says to you, I will. He's no respecter of persons. And then again, we come to the book of Acts. Peter preaching in the house of Cornelius. And he says, among other things, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him, doing good and healing. How many? All. Who oppressed them? Who healed them? The devil is the oppressor, and Jesus is the healer. And John 10.10 confirms that and says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. So, finally, as I close, meditation in the Word is not a waste of time, my brother, my sister, but a time of growth and spiritual development. And I encourage you, start with a few minutes a day. Make a quality decision that every day at the same time you will find a place, you will sit down, you will relax, you will read a portion of Scripture and start meditating in it. I guarantee you, in six months, you'll never be the same again from the revelation that you will receive. Let's pray as we stand, please. Dear Lord Jesus, pray with me, please. Dear Lord Jesus, help us to see the value of meditating in the Word to the point where we make time to fellowship with you through this blessed practice.
Empower us by your grace, I pray, to make such decisions of quality that will benefit and positively affect the quality of our life as well as the life of others. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Michael. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.